0: Two Travel Centers of America employees helped close out a two-month-long investigation of three pimps who were trafficking 20 victims online and on the streets simply because they were paying attention to what was taking place in the hotel parking lot across the street from their truck stop in Jessup, Maryland. Western Express drivers Chris and David called in a tip and left their callback number, which ended up being imperative for law enforcement in another state to track down the 19-year-old mentally disabled person who they had seen being taken advantage of a few days earlier. And former Conway truckload driver Kevin Kimmel, who made a call about an activity in an RV that looked dangerous while in a parking lot of a truck stop in Virginia. That call ended 18 days of torture, rape, and trafficking for a young woman who had been coerced from her home in Clive, Iowa. Kevin testified in court against the two traffickers, who are currently serving sentences of 40 and 41 years. Stories like these is what TAT is all about. Hello, everyone. My name is Helen Hofer, and I'm the Freedom Drivers Project Director for Truckers Against Trafficking, or TAT, and host of Driving Freedom.
1: My co-host today is TAT's Deputy Director and Co-Founder, Kyla Lanier. Hi, everyone. As TAT works to educate, equip, empower, and mobilize members of the truck, bus, and energy industries to combat human trafficking as part of their regular jobs, we wanted to create a podcast that would serve as a helpful training tool to one of the largest mobile army of eyes and ears out there on the road seeking to recognize and report the heinous crime. We also want to continue our work in providing you with an inside glimpse of what life is really like for victims of sex trafficking. The success stories that Helen just shared are only possible because good men and women cared enough to get involved. They recognized that too often the person knocking on the cab door or walking the lot is actually in need of help and they took the time to get involved. Here with us today is someone who knows firsthand what it's like to be sold on truck stop lots. Christine McDonald is an internationally recognized author, speaker, and consultant known for her unique ability to construct conversations and ignite change for underserved and marginalized populations. As a survivor of domestic sex trafficking and commercial sexual exploitation, she has used her insights and experiences to help remove the stigma from those still trapped in the cycles of addiction, trafficking, homelessness, and sexual exploitation. She serves on the Missouri Attorney General's Task Force and on the Supreme Court Human Trafficking Commission. She is on the board of directors for the nonprofit Relentless Pursuit and is the founder of christinesvision.org. Christine is also the author of Cry Purple and The Same Kind of Human. I literally could spend the next hour talking about all the accomplishments honors, recognitions, and awards that Christine has achieved, but I really want you to hear from this fantastic woman herself. Christine, welcome.
2: Thank you. It's so great to be here. Since the
1: beginning of our work, we've had people ask us, why can't people who need help just walk into the truck stop and make a phone call or ask one of the drivers or employees for help? In your experience, why is this easier said than done?
2: Well, that's a complicated question. (laughs) It's a good one, though. I know for myself, in the midst of my victimization, I did not know that I was a victim. It is created by design for the person being exploited, person being sold, to be the one engaging in the criminal activity. We know that we're the one that's going to get arrested. That doesn't feel like we're a victim, right? And I think there's a second thing that we don't often talk about. I think when we think about the complexities, the psychological intertwinement there, when we talk about trafficking, it's so complex and psychologically manipulative. So therefore the trauma bonding becomes so much more complex. And if a domestic violence victim takes seven times before they actually leave and stay gone and have that courage, right? Why would we expect that a victim of commercial sex exploitation, human sex trafficking would be able to leave any easier. When is the
0: first time that you heard the term trafficking and what was it like for you to see yourself recognize that you were a victim of trafficking?
2: The spring of 2006. So I've been out almost two years. I am uh, listening to the news (laughs) and I hear a name. On the news, and it says that this gentleman has been arrested by the federal government, the U.S. Attorney's Office, and the Department of Justice, and that they had been under investigation for three years. And that they came up with the conclusion that he was making approximately $35,000 a week off of the selling of human beings. He was trafficking them. I'm like, trafficking? What is that? Huh? What is that even, right? So fast forward again, about another year, I learned that one of the guys that I had been with for about five years had been in prison for promoting prostitution. This was actually his third time. And I'm like, what does that even mean? So now I'm like asking questions. Maybe this wasn't my significant other. If two of the men I was with when I was out there are now in prison for what we call today trafficking, maybe I was trafficked. So what does that even mean? So then you have to kind of really process and chew and analyze. That means I was emotionally and psychologically manipulated. I really wasn't in a relationship with any of these men.
0: Wow. What a way to hear that, to just experience that on the news. Right? And much,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> wow. What a whirlwind.
2: Yeah. And- I mean, because it's, you don't think traffic, that's not even our language out there, right? It's pimping and hoeing.
0: Hmm. And how much work, right? Traffickers are You're not a victim to build that narrative. And so as drivers, when you're thinking about, oh, this person isn't (laughs) saying they're a victim, isn't saying they want to call in, they're saying that they want to be here. I mean, really start putting these pieces together of the amount of manipulation that is going into saying, yes, you're here because you want to be here. And you can tell everyone else that because it means I'm safe as a trafficker. It means no one's looking at me. It means everyone's looking at you. And that's exactly what they want.
2: It is exactly what they want. You also know that by design, you talk to the police and you leave and blah, blah, blah. You know, maybe they know about where your family lives. Maybe you have a child with them. That individual maybe that's working at the truck stop is not going to see all those other dynamics, but that victim, right, that person being exploited does know those things. And so they're automatically going to say, no, 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 I'm here by choice because they're protecting others.
0: It can feel like the only safe option. Absolutely. So except in the case of minors, some people think that legalization is the right path. Building into this narrative that legalization is really what's pro the prostituting person, really empowering them, that they really want to be out there selling themselves. Can you touch on what really goes on behind those closed doors? What does it look like to go from truck to truck?
2: You have to disengage any sense of humanity that you have. You have to or you can't survive it. The person paying for you has absolutely no emotional connection to you, so they don't care if they inflict harm to you or if you hurt. And all of those things become what you have to disassociate in that moment of time. You know, when we think about choice, I think choice comes in when we have other options. I know a lot of people that have been in the life. I've been doing advocacy work since about 2007. I can probably count on one hand individuals that might have had other options because they had informed choice. And when you think about the thousands of women from the life that I know and have crossed paths with, if you say, I only know a handful, that itself says a whole lot. <laughs> it
0: makes you wonder, okay, what stories are really being promoted? And is that the real picture? Can you talk more about that they feel like they don't have choices? What are some situations where that would be the case?
2: We know that there are these vulnerabilities that tend to be commonalities of individuals when we look at their profile when they find out some of these backgrounds of what led them into the life or got them into this position of vulnerability to be recruited or to be involved in a world of commercial sex exploitation they can be poverty they can be lack of education they can be you know running away from home and child abuse the system is has failed them in in various capacities they had minimal resources because of their barriers so did they really have a choice i'm not so sure And so sometimes those choices become forced choices of survival.
0: I went ahead and I listened to another time where you have shared your story. Something I often can hear from drivers is the idea of like the strung out drug addict who's like just feeding their habit. Like that's their fault. They made it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know drugs play a role in your story. Can you kind of explain the ways that (laughs) drugs interact?
2: This is such a great question because I don't think we really address this enough. We assume the drugs is what get people into this life when that's usually not the case. Sometimes the drugs are introduced to the individual by the trafficker to get them addicted as a control mechanism. For me, the drugs were introduced to me um, after I was sold. What I learned through using is that when I would get high, I didn't have to think about what was going to happen to me. Then when I would do the drugs after they were done. I didn't have to feel the pain from what they had done. So the drug actually became a coping mechanism. And of course, in that, you know, I became a full-blown addict. Everybody would love for the complexities when we think about trafficking, exploitation was just like a a cookie cutter, one size fits all. And there's a cute little box and we can check them all, but it's just not that simple. When we think
1: about a truck stop, when they see the girls out on the lots, or they Mm -hmm. see somebody being dropped off to a truck, not the ones buying, but the ones that are seeing it happen, what would be your message to those
2: drivers? Nobody asked me if I was safe or if I was hungry. The food always came with a string attached. Sometimes something as simple as, hey, are you hungry? I can go in and grab you a cheeseburger and you bring it out and say, hey, are you okay? I think when we use that language, are you being trafficked? We put people at risk. Traffic? Traffic? No, I'm not being trafficked. What are you talking about? I think starting with just saying, are you okay? Connect to the humanity. Connect to their humanity. The amount of humanity that I experienced in the world of commercial sex exploitation was such microscopic speck. It was never enough for me to cling to enough hope to think there was something outside of that life. Because you're so dehumanized and you want to protect that little bit of whatever you have in you still. And so kindness, (laughs) that may be just the thing to start that conversation. I have a good trucker story to tell, and I don't know if this is the right time to say it. Absolutely. It is. Okay. (laughs) I was outside of Kansas city and I was walking down 71 highway. The guy I had been with had been arrested. So I thought, (sighs) maybe I'll try to go back to Oklahoma. And I was walking and I was walking and the semi-truck pulled over. <laughs> he pulls over and he smiles at me. He's like, hey, you need to lift? I'm like, sure. I'm heading to Oklahoma. He says, well, you're in luck. I'm going to Oklahoma. It's like, okay, you know? And we went all the way to Oklahoma City. He dropped me off in a mall parking lot. He asked me, he's like, you want me to call your family? You can use my phone. Is there anything else I can do while I'm here? And um, I was like, I really don't have anybody to call, you know? I don't really know why I'm coming back here. I don't know where I'm going from here, but I knew I had a chance to leave, right? Because my pimp had been arrested. And um, he gave me a ride and he was so kind and he didn't ever ask anything of me. We listened to music, he fed me. I got to take a shower. I felt like he genuinely cared. I love
1: that yeah. story. And we know that there are really awesome truckers, that yes. there are more stories like this that we know are happening. We've heard about them through our social media. Yes. We've heard about them at truck stops and at trucking shows. And it's it's exciting to see that shift and that change occur. Absolutely. It <laughs> does make such an impact in someone's life. And on that same path, Christine, we know that sometimes at truck stops and travel plazas, policy has often been to run people off. What was it like when you got dropped off? What would your advice be for truck stop employees who do want to know how to help victims?
2: So what happens if you don't meet the quota, you, depending on the type of pimp that you work for, depends on the kind of consequences. What you're really doing is putting those very people at risk. Not that I'm saying allow them to do what they're doing, but you know, think about that consequence when you're that harsh I have a friend who works at a truck stop in out by Springfield, Missouri. She has go bags at her little spot. And so what she does when she sees the girls and she knows what they're doing or she sees them go in to come in to eat or even if she gets an opportunity, like if she sees one out smoking or something, a cigarette, and she's by herself, she gives them the go bag. And in that go bag, some basic hygiene, but she also has some basic resources that are local to that community. You know, and a go bag is a great way to say, you intentionally took the time to say, here, I care. And um, yeah, balance is hard, right? You got to uphold your rules and your regulations, but at the same time, you need to recognize that they're victims, start planting those seeds when available.
1: Just asking those questions, are you okay? Would you like something to eat? That's just those conversation starters that take it to that next level where they do maybe ask for help or they do say, hey, things are not okay. Can you make some calls for me? You were out there for 21 years. You mm-hmm. had a myriad of experiences. So what are some of the things that you're
2: doing now and, and how'd you get out? How did I get out? I got out without resources and it shouldn't have been so hard. <laughs> I, I did almost take a life at gunpoint and I knew that, you know, I didn't want to be the same evil that had been inflicted to me. I, I lost a lot of people that were murdered and disregarded. Like nobody cared. Nobody cared. Nobody looks for a prostitute anyway. As visible as we were for people to pull up and pay for us, all of our pain was absolutely invisible. I mean, how does that simultaneously exist? I don't know that I could articulate that, but it's real and it's valid. When I started my journey out, I had never had a job and I had to to get a GED. So when I did that, I realized I had all these barriers because of my past. I'd never had a job. I had a criminal history. Nobody wanted to rent to me. When I did finally get a job, I knew then that I wanted to be a part of um, removing some of those barriers because I shouldn't have had to work so hard just to get a job. And then there was always the question you say I'm a victim, (laughs) but yet there are these insurmountable barriers from my victimization. So, where is the system breakdown and how do we remove some of those? And so that kind of became my quest. Today, I also work on addressing the demand and um, that pornography fuels trafficking. Till we can address the role of the demand, we're never going to reduce the amount of bodies being sold. Christine,
0: where can people learn more about your work, get more involved in what you're doing, and hear more about
2: you? I am with Relentless Pursuit, www.rpor.org. We're located in Kansas City christinesvision.org is where you can find about my books, Cry Purple, um, which is Snapshots of My Journey, The Same Kind of Human, which is my second book, which is really more a deeper look into some of the complexities that fuel into some of the situations that I experienced. And then you can always follow me on my YouTube channel where I share little short videos of insightful things because I believe the more we know, the better we can help. My YouTube channel is Through the Eyes of Grace, Christine McDonald if we do for one, what we wish we could do for many And together, you know, we can change the world, but we all have to do our part in those encounters and opportunities in which are bestowed upon us in our pathway of life every day.
0: That is beautiful. And just the minute you start cracking into more of Christine's story and teaching and trainings, it is powerful. It means a lot. Um, I'm just, you couldn't see me because we're doing a podcast, (laughs) Uh, but I'm like nodding and like tearing up and like (laughs) how to express that. But you are so courageous in the ways in how you continue to overcome uh, those hurdles and trauma. Just the fact that you hold on to hope and it is powerful and it shines, it shines and changes and emphasizing, right? That not only can we get involved, but we must get involved. So look for those red flags. And we can't emphasize that enough, that drivers and truck stop employees, your call, your kind words, your actions could lead to that victim being recovered, either that night or months down the road or maybe years down the road, but it is all a part of the process. And it could help stop months, if not years of horrific torture and slavery. You could be saving a life. Thank you for taking the time to listen and for being the Real Truckers Against Trafficking.